Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad, if it was a car, you couldn't even get a bird to shit on it. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you uh, way pre-recorded because this week I'm traveling and more on that in just a minute. Uh, in tonight's show, we'll have another Ask the Pipe Maker segment with Jeff Grasick. And then my guest from Argentina is Claudio Darin. And uh, I got to meet Claudio at Chicago, and it was a lot of fun to meet him and now to talk to him and have him on the show. Just a great guy. And uh, fun to learn a little bit about Argentina. Uh, we'll also have uh, music, a uh, truncated mailbag, and uh, rant. <laughs> All that coming up on this week's Pipes Magazine radio show. Um, I mentioned, again, pre-recorded, because as I sit here recording this, it's Thursday night. Uh, it's only two nights after last week's show went out, and I'm at uh, Walt Disney World. Now, let me tell you, let me remind you, the reason the, the reason I'm at Walt Disney World is, one, it's Father's Day, and my only child in the United States lives in Orlando. Uh, two, my sister and her kids, my niece and nephew, will be at Walt Disney World for a week, and they were nice enough to let me book the trip for them. So... I uh, figured it'd be fun to see them, too. And uh, three, we still have our annual passes. We bought them last December, so admission to the park is free. Uh, all we have to do is pay for hotels and food. Uh, and through our Disney Chase Visa card, the food is free this trip. So, you know, not a lot of money spent. Yes, I'm going back. No, I am not staying at a Disney-owned hotel. I'm staying on property, though, but I'll have, our, I'll have my car, so it won't matter. Um, I will be, in protest, though, wearing, instead of my favorite Mickey Mouse t-shirts, I will be spending, I'll be wearing, for the five days that will be in and around the parks, I will be wearing some of my favorite pipe and tobacco-related t-shirts. And uh, possibly bringing my favorite uh, pipe tobacco-related umbrella for the rainy time. So that will be my own form of protest of their new smoking laws. Uh, remember, if you and your family are going to Walt Disney World, or if you're going on a cruise, or if you're going on vacation, it costs you nothing to book with me. I'm absolutely free. If you don't use me, I'm free. If you use me... Then the companies that we book with, I get a commission from them. doesn't cost you any extra. And in fact, I'll tell you, if I can't save you any money, I will tell you up front where to get the best deals. All right? Deal? So email me, brian.levine at mei-travel.com or brian at pipesmagazine.com or reach out to me on Facebook or uh, I'm even playing around on Instagram. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us again for Ask the Pipe Maker is Jeff Grasick. Jeff, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Oh, good, good. Good, and we, good. We've got we've got two questions from Jason, uh, and thanks again to Jason for sending in all the stuff that all the questions and suggestions and everything. They've been wonderful. Um, We've got two that I'm going to combine into one because I think they're, yeah, I, I think they're two somewhat, uh, somewhat easy questions to answer because there's not going to be much of an answer to them except for opinion. Okay. And we all know that I'm the leading expert on my own opinion and you all are welcome to it. So, um, 
here we go. And I think you're you're I think you're totally wrong. Uh, that's your opinion. Uh, <laughs> first part: Do you believe in matching pipes to blends? Do, do you, I believe in it? Yeah. Do you, uh, I, I think there I think there's two parts to this question. For for your your opinion is you the pipe maker. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that there are certain sizes of pipes that work with Virginias versus certain sizes that work with aromatics and and so on and so on? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough question because I don't think that there's any as you were suggesting. I don't think there's any definitive answer um, to this. Um, you know, I have customers who tell me that you know one particular kind of pipe is great for flakes for them. And another one is great for Virginia's. Another one is great for Latakia, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, however, on my my own opinion is I will take a pipe uh, and I'll fill it with Latakia. And then when it's done, I won't let it rest and I'll put a Virginia in it. And then when <laughs> it's done, I won't let it rest <laughs> and I'll put something else in it. You know, it's um, so I'm I'm less convinced. I'm, I'm less interested in the dedication of one of, of a shape to a particular blend than other people might be. But there are others, maybe super tasters, um, you know, your Greg Pease's out there um, for whom certain um, certain bowl dimensions are critically affected um, or critically affect the, the, the way that you taste particular blends. And I won't argue with that because it's not my experience. Well, and you certainly won't argue with your with your customers that are buying your pipes, and if they, you know, if they're buying, sure. a, if they're buying a Group Six Magnum and putting, you know, putting cherry aromatic in it, and that's what they absolutely love in it, yeah, you know, it's not. That's it, right. It's not really your position to tell them what to put in it. It's your position to make the pipes and sell it to them. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, if it were my opinion, um, I would uh, I would like to put forth the theory that um, each of my pipes is only good for one tin of tobacco, and then you need to buy another one. That would be the best <laughs> for my bank account. But uh, we all know that that is. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll have a hard time selling that one. Um, yeah, like and like you need more work anyway. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, and, and then you get into the pipe smoker theory of only putting one style of tobacco through a pipe and, and so right. on. Yeah, that, that all gets into personal theory. And I would mm -hmm. just imagine that from, you know, from your side as a pipe maker, maybe your best suggestion is, is to try to keep the pipe as clean as possible so that it smokes as clean as it can. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, I have I have customers who are, you know, self um, self described pipe swine, uh, where they never clean them. They keep their pipes in about the same condition that I keep my own. And there are others, and I would say probably the vast majority of them, um, they clean their pipe after every single smoke, and they don't they don't smoke more than one bowl um, out of that same pipe. Um, you know. In, it's certainly not in one day, but usually, you know, they'll let the pipe rest for a little while before they, uh, before they fill it back up again. Um, you know, that's again, that's personal preference and I'm not going to argue against anyone's theory on this. If you only have one pipe, smoke it. Yeah. And You've got a dozen, smoke them. So, to, so to sum it up, your, your group three, uh, your, your group three size, little tiny bowl pipes will smoke mm -hmm. whatever tobacco you put in them. And, uh, I mean, that's been my experience. Yeah. <laughs> and, and your desire. Uh, yeah. The, the second part of this and hold on folks, because I'm going to run out and buy some Jay Allen pipes before the prices go up after I read this. Uh, do you, and this is, this is Jason's writing. Do you find okay. the challenge of making artisan pipes has decreased or increased during your rise as a preeminent American artisan pipe maker? Now, I can tell you I didn't write this because I don't know how to spell preeminent. <laughs> In fact, you had to get a dictionary. I, I just hold on. Let me crack mine. I need to I need to look it up, too. Yeah, uh, I was just happy I pronounced it correctly the third time. Uh, That's right. <laughs> so is it uh, is it getting harder to find stuff that challenges you 
or is it getting harder to find stuff like we talked about before that maybe gets your creative juices flowing? Are you getting jaded? Oh yeah. I mean, jaded, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so, but, um, yeah, I, I think that the more time you spend doing something, the easier it is to find yourself in a creative, like a, a, a creative pattern. Um, some might call it a rut. I don't really think of it that. I mean, it can be, um, but typically, you know, you 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 find a style. You know, when I was starting, that's what everybody said. You need to find your style. That should be the first thing. I'm like, no, your style will find you. And once it finds you, you find you are making a certain number of shapes within that style that you have adopted or created or whatever it might be. Um, I find the longer that I've been making pipes, um, the more responsive I've been able to be to my own creative interests and to my customers. So if my customers are interested in a genre of shapes that I've been making, um, I can follow that thread and stretch it out a little bit more, um, you know, adding different creative flourishes to it, making it its own unique creation within that, that thread. Um, but in terms of creating new and different shapes, that, that can be a challenge. But I think that that's in large part because when you're a young pipe maker, you've got the whole world in front of you. The yeah. whole and you can make anything you want. You don't have a reputation to think about. Like if I were to to make some exploration, some creative exploration, and it really fails, well, I still have to sell that pipe. So uh, <laughs> if it if it's no good, my customers will likely tell me so, uh, and I've got to know that you know I sold that pipe. So you tend to be a little more, at least for myself, I tend to be a little more cautious because I try to protect my time working and your and your brand name too yeah yeah i've got a lot to think about a lot of people who have invested a lot of a lot of time and money in getting to know my work and getting to know me and spending a lot of time uh and money on my work so you know to follow a thread that is ultimately unsuccessful would you know to some degree be disrespectful of of that um those relationships that you've built Uh, on that. Is there an idea that you've had that you've just said, no, I'm not going to go down that road. Oh yeah. Plenty, plenty. (laughs) I mean, and they, they tend to be, you know, these whimsical ideas that I'll sketch out and I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. That fits nowhere in my, in my, um, shape vocabulary. It doesn't mean that it can't be there, but it just causes me to think more and conceptualize, um, the, the shape and, and think about how, like where I might go with it, not just the first pipe that I make, but am I going to continue this thread and make more and more of them, or is it going to be a one-off? Well, the value of one-offs is not extremely high because um, it may not be a successful shape, and you you you're able to refine the shape the more you make of them. So you really hope that you you really tend. I find that I tend to approach the ideas that have you can see from the beginning that they've got legs to them. Yeah. Well, and it's like my idea that I had. Remember those Zip Zap racers, the little tiny remote control race cars that Radio Shack was selling? That's how long ago it was. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I had the brilliant idea that I could cut open a very large pipe and somehow fit the engine of one of those up into one of the pipes and have the wheels kind of sticking out the side and make a remote control pipe. Okay. That's an idea. I had the idea. I didn't have the talent, the skill, or the ability to create it, but I had the idea. So, <laughs> well, no, and those, and those are the kinds of ideas too that I, you know, I, maybe not with wheels because I'm not quite that creative, but uh, you know, something like that where you go, "Oh, that's really cool," and then you take a step back and go, ah, "Maybe not." Yeah, it's let's push the envelope and then draw it back down to where it'll actually close again. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, I've got to be able to pay. Uh, you know, the, the, the mortgage on my house, <laughs> Jeff, the artist can't sit around and play all day. We have to make yeah, some, uh, we have to make some pipes that are actually sellable, please. My, my wife reminds me of that. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jeff, there you go. How's that? Um, that was, that was a whole bunch of different stuff in there. So I'm, uh, I'm glad we got a chance to discuss it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I hope it was not boring. I hope it was somewhat informative. <laughs> 
I don't know, but I'm now thinking about the Zip Zap race car again. So, oh uh, man, that's I, th- I think we've got a new line of pipes. <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and going to South America. Further, if if I live in the south of the United States, this is further south. South America, all the way down to Buenos Aires. Uh, my friend and radio show listener and pipe smoker, Claudio Darin. Welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much. And it's my pleasure to be here. Or, or should I say, uh, bienvenidos, mi amigos. Bienvenidos, eso es. Bienvenidos a todos los hispanoparlantes. See, now you went and said words that I don't understand, except uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to have you on the show. Uh, yeah, that, that's just welcome to any uh, Spanish-speaking listeners of the show. <laughs> And let's talk about, so did you, were you raised in Argentina? Yeah, I'm born and raised in Argentina, in, uh, in Buenos Aires, the same city where I live in. And my parents also uh, were born here in, in, in Argentina. We are of Italian uh, descent. My, my grandfather was, was born in Italy, as many people that came down to, to South America, to Brazil, to Argentina mainly from uh, Spain and, and, and Italy. But yes, I was born and raised in, in Buenos Aires. Yeah, so maybe a little history lesson, but a lot of Europeans escaped Europe during the late 1800s, early 1900s, and during the world wars. And if they couldn't get to the United States or Canada, they would go to Argentina or, uh, or Brazil. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that hundreds of thousands of people came came to America just uh, looking for a place to to live for a better life, uh, escaping from uh, famine or war or whatever it was, and they they they, they stayed. And uh, we have a lot of um, culture here that can, can, comes down from that uh, food. Uh, drinks, um, habits, and yes, it's it's been uh, it's part of our culture. And mainly in Argentina, they developed uh, the beautiful city of Buenos Aires, which is uh, it has a lot of buildings that are similar to those in Madrid or in Paris. And uh, our main theater, which is the which is the the Columbus Theater uh, for opera, uh, it's a lyric uh, a lyrical theater. Yes, a lot of history and culture coming down from Europe down here. When you were growing up, what did what did you go to school for? What did what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, my, my, my parents they are both uh, doctors. They are medical doctors. So uh, I thought I wanted to be one of those, um, but then I realized that you had to have a, a very special. Uh, character for being a doctor and 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 caring about others and uh, and being uh, uh, prepared to to endure uh, very difficult things like people dying on the table yeah. uh, when 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 you are a doctor and uh, I finally um, ended up studying uh, economics and uh, and and then uh, that was my my career and I went to the university here in Buenos Aires. And uh, I, I studied uh, economics and, and management. That's that was my main study. And when did you begin smoking a pipe? Well, this is something that has to do with my with my studies, but it's relatively recent. It was about uh, six years ago. Um, 
I'm a I'm a university professor. That's my my main uh, activity. Yeah. Um, so I was in 2014. I was working for a for a university as as a, as a professor, and I had the chance to uh, go to work for a different university. And my students decided to throw kind of a party or a like a barbecue, uh-huh. and um, in, in that meeting, one of them was smoking a pipe, <laughs> and I couldn't stop staring at him. You know, like, what is that that you are smoking? And 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 I, I was not. I was a social smoker. I, I had a uh, from time to time I had a cigarette, but I had no 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 smoking background or history. And um, he looked at me and said, "Hey, Claudio." Do you want to try? Because you're looking at me as if I had something special. So, <laughs> so I tried, and I loved it. You know, it was like all the all my memories of uh, my father smoking a pipe, me playing with his pipes when I was five, six, seven years old, and just playing around with the pipes and 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 and. and uh, I, I tried to smoke them like kids do and like kids did with cigarettes also when, when we were young. I'm 44 now. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I, I tried. I loved it. I obviously coughed at the beginning, but that night was like a dream for me. And my, my dad still lives. Uh, so I, in 2014, I went to have a conversation with him about pipes. And I asked him where, where his pipes were. And uh, he pointed to an old chest in my house, in my former house, when I lived with my parents. And uh, he said, just open that old chest. They must be there, you know, inside somewhere. So I opened the chest and I found seven beautiful French pipes, <laughs> typical of Argentinian Argentinian pipe smokers collections, and I I just started googling what those brands were. I he had a few Boutchocans, a uh, couple of Jantes, old French beautiful smokers, a couple of English pipes, and I that was the beginning. I I, I began smoking my dad's pipes, uh, and 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 I went to a local tobacco shop and bought some tobacco and that was the beginning of it did your dad help you with uh with how to smoke a pipe or did the tobacco shop help you well my father did at the beginning but i found out that he was a lousy pipe smoker you know (laughs) uh he, he actually confessed to me that he could never get a grasp on it um, he, he wasn't that patient and he, he was a cigarette smoker, so he needed the nicotine kick. So yeah. he usually ended up having a cigarette after smoking his pipe, but he was really good at telling me the, and, and, and sharing with me the, the beauty of pipe smoking, you know, the, the moments and the, I, I, I have today uh, a pipe tool that was his, a beautiful pipe tool made in silver that he gave to me. Uh, so it was mostly, I would say, the, the, the tobacco shop and, and my friend, this, this student that uh, smoked a pipe that at the beginning gave me a few tricks to, to move forward. <laughs> so, so you took your dad's old pipes and a little bit of extra training and then you were often beginning as a pipe smoker. Yeah, absolutely. That was it. And I was, I would say that uh, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, this academic thing also goes on to, to, to pipes. I started reading anything I, that I could get my hands on about pipe, pipes and pipe smoking and, and tobacco. Uh, Pipedia, pipefield.eu, all those places, uh, tobacco reviews, the, the, the pipesmagazine.com, 
Pipes and Tobaccos magazine. So <laughs> I, I read a lot and um, I got caught by, by the by restoration. You know, I, I, I used to go to antique shops and um, I, I loved spending time there. And now I had an objective, you know, pipe hunting. <laughs> so that was part of the of the magic that I think pipes did on me about pipe restoring and 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 pipe repairing and refurbishments of pipes and and, and that was something really special for me about pipes. So did you teach yourself how to clean the how to clean and restore the pipes? Well, I think that I, I've been doing that for six years now, and um, I think that anyone uh, who who begins uh, restoring pipes or, or, or playing with with pipe uh, refurbishments is actually teaching himself a little bit. Uh, you break pipes, you you break stems, you break tenons, <laughs> and oftentimes. You get a nice job done with a pipe, and, and, and it really, um, it's not only cleaning, but also uh, giving life back to pipes. And uh, a lot of YouTube, but what actually did the trick of making me a better uh, restorer was um, Reborn Pipes, uh, yeah. the, the blog by Steve Laug. Um, I, I listened to your radio show with Dal Stanton. Yeah. Well, I couldn't empathize more with, with, with him in, in terms of how generous and interesting and giving was Steve in terms of sharing his experience with pipe uh, restoring, um, how he did it the what he uses so i would say that steve's uh, blog that i recommend to anyone trying to uh, learn how to restore a pipe uh, rebornpipes.com uh, has been really really uh, uh, what what made the trick with pipe uh, pipe restoring with me and and this is the beauty of the internet and the pipe world because steve is in uh, Steve is in Canada and he's helping Dal in Bulgaria, who is helping you in Argentina and all connected by the pipe and by the internet. Yeah. You know that, um, the pipe community, um, uh, this is my, this year has been my second year at the Chicago pipe show. And, uh, what I felt in, in the internet being so far, is the same thing that you feel when you go there and you share moments with the pipe community. Um, this is something actually very special of, of us as pipe community. It's a global thing. We share values, we share experiences, we share the moments, we share pipes. Uh, so yes, it was it was a very nice a very nice moment. Um, getting to know these people and getting to know them in personally in, in Chicago. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about the, uh, about the lifestyle of a smoker in Argentina. We'll talk about the Chicago pipe show and then we'll talk more pipes with Claudio. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. 
we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, Claudio Darin of Argentina. And uh, so, uh, Claudio, you mentioned coming to the Chicago Pipe Show for the second time. Was is was the Chicago Pipe Show, was that your first pipe show you've been to? Yeah, that was my first pipe show last year. Yeah. Uh, never been to any other place before in, in pipe shows or anything. Had you seen is I know there's nothing like it in Argentina. So when you first walked in and you first got there, were you overwhelmed and and, and excited to see so many pipes and pipe smokers? Yeah, absolutely. That that would I, that would be the the feeling that best describes the situation. It's overwhelming. Uh, more than three hundred tables of pipes, and. Uh, yeah, I, I guess my, my first time last year and my my experience was uh, I couldn't see it all. Yeah, it was Sunday midday, uh, and 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 I had obviously Saturday I didn't have lunch, um, and, and I couldn't make it. This year, this was more more of a. It, I think it was a better experience uh, yet because. I could, I knew better and I could organize myself better. Um, but yes, it is overwhelming and beautiful, a beautiful yeah. experience that I, I, I actually advise any pie smoker, at least once in your lifetime, go to Chicago, go to the pipe show. Yeah. And at least get there on Thursday so that you can, so, yeah. so that you can start with the whole weekend. You know, last last year I, I got there on Friday. This year I got there early Thursday. Absolutely good advice. Be there on Thursday. What is the smoking culture like in Argentina? Can can you smoke in a in a restaurant or a bar, or do, or does everybody have to stand outside? You have to stand outside. I would say it's pretty much as uh, anywhere else in the world in which tobacco has been um, constrained to specific areas or public places. I would say f that for, for someone from the United States, the main difference is regulation, even though it's there, it's not so strict. Okay. And, 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 and you still have, uh, I would say that it's a, this is a tobacco culture. Argentina is a tobacco producer mm -hmm. uh, in the north. Uh, so there is kind of a tobacco lobby so that um, tobacco regulations are not so uh, strict and rigid. But yes, there is restrictions. And if you want to have a smoke, you got to go outside. Are there cafes that will have tables outside where you can sit and smoke when the weather is nice? Yeah, absolutely. And there are no no constraints to public smoking or open places. You know, I've been to, before Chicago, I went to New York, and you cannot sit down at a public garden and smoke. Yeah. You cannot, uh, I don't know, just walk in a public garden and smoke. But you can walk in the street and smoke. I would say that that's not like that in, in Buenos Aires or in Argentina. You can just sit outside and smoke and you're free to do that. And still we have that kind of, of liberties in, in regarding smoking. And are there many pipe smokers or is it most, uh, I would assume it is mostly cigarette smokers, but uh, are there still a... a is there a good amount of pipe smokers still? Uh, well, um, before I, I, started, I started pipe smoking, I would say that there was no pipe smokers in Argentina because uh, I actually had never seen one. Um, but now that I am a pipe smoker and I have a business uh, um, in, in a tobacconist, I would say that, yes, there are pipe smokers. Um, it's not, I would say it's a, it's a very small part of the market. It's uncomparable to cigar smokers or um, cigarette or roll your own, you know, um, tobacco. 
but yes, there is a, a fair amount of pipe smokers out there. And for you, is the pipe something that you smoke at the end of the day for relaxation, or do you have two or three pipes a day? Well, mostly I smoke during the weekends uh-huh. and uh, or at nights um, in my garden, in my house, uh, outside, and it's a relaxation moment, or when you listen to music, or... Um, just read something that's uh, relaxing and or just a moment for yourself. Um, I think that you asked me before about the, the, the pipe smoking community. Yeah. I think that most pipe smokers uh, in, in, in Argentina are um, one or two bowls a day more than anything during the night, uh-huh. uh, at the end of the day. Um, more... Uh, n- not the typical all day long um, having your pipe hanging yeah. from your mouth, you yeah. know, the, which was the, the typical traditional uh, pipe smoker in the past in, in Argentina. Um, so they, they, they have a, a, a taste in terms of tobacco and, and, and it's more of an experience for them. And it is an experience for me. I, I would say I'm part of that uh, new uh, new vogue of pipe smokers uh, that it, I think it's also around the world that way. If I come to Argentina, what is what is some of the food that I should eat? Well, you should have um, uh, empanadas. Yeah, which is uh, like um, it's meat uh, with uh, like a it, it's salty. Uh, sometimes it has a stuff on it, like um, uh, olives or something like that, depending on where uh, from Argentina you are having them. Um, it's uh, rolled uh, like a taco, but it's closed. Um, so that would be one of them. Empanadas is really typical. And we have a lot of, um, we don't have a fish culture, even though we have a lot of, uh, culture from Spain. Uh, we do have a lot of uh, like noodles from Italy, uh-huh. different kind of uh, of noodles, which is coming down from the Italian culture. Um, I would say that would be the and, and the meat, obviously, yeah. the asado, the barbecue, our our barbecue. Uh, that would be most of the typical dishes, uh, at least in Buenos Aires, because mm. you know. Provinces have their own food also, but that would be typical dishes here. Yeah, the 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 country of Argentina is bigger than just one city. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it doesn't look like that when you come down here. M- many people think that even in Argentina, that Buenos Aires is too uh, central, centralistic or centralized. Uh-huh. That would be it. But yes, this is a federal country with a lot of beautiful provinces in terms of tourism and uh and wine mendoza is a very well-known province for wine lovers and the malbec uh, which is our main wine uh in 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 argentina too yeah the i i'm while we're while we're talking i'm quickly measuring the country of argentina from north to south and it's it's a very big country. It's taking me longer to measure it than yeah. it is to talk about it. Uh, it's over two thousand miles from north to south by, I was going by to tell air. You that. Yeah, yeah. So, so we in the United States think we have a big country. You have a country that is as wide, as, or your country is as tall as we are wide. Yeah, so, that's it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of climates, a lot of. Uh, different places, a lot of high mountains to the west, and a lot of got ocean Andes. to the east. You got the Andes, you got the ocean, you got the Patagonia, you got Ushuaia, which is a very well-known city, very down fa- south. Yeah, and you got the falls, the 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 Iguazu Falls. Yeah, uh, up north. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful country I, I really love my country and the city of Buenos Aires is a very beautiful city to visit 
The Iguazu Falls are featured in a ride at Disneyland and at Disney World now as the ride supposed to fly over the Majestic Falls because they are some of the biggest in the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's the I, I've been there. That's a beautiful game in, in Disney. In, yeah. in, in that those are the our falls, yeah. Yeah. So very proud of it. So you opened up a, you started a tobacco business online and it's called Estate Pipes B.A. Yeah, Buenos Aires. Yep. El Pipas de, how would you say estate in Spanish? Well, it's a, uh, there is no translation at all. That is why I had to use State Pipes Buenos Aires. And, um, but it would be a previously used, previamente usada, previously used pipe and restored and sanitized. Yeah, same thing as you do. But there is no, no translation that's yeah. as good <laughs> as state pipe. So, and you sell everything from new pipes to used pipes to tobacco. And it's a full online tobacconist. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a very uh, nice story because as many people, you said that also to to the new owner of Four Noggins, Jeff, in in one of your last shows. Mm-hmm. Um, most people that own a tobacconist, many of them began as pipe smokers or cigar smokers. They loved the hobby, and they said, "Well, maybe I could." Uh, you know, pays for my hobby with with this. Um, I was buying a lot of uh, state pipes to restore, as I told you before, with with the restoration and all of that. I had already like a workshop in the attic of my house, many many tooling and, and a lot of things. And one day, I I bought uh, like. 50 pipes that belong to a uh, to the widow of a pipe of a pipe smoker, and I was sitting there with 50 pipes, filthy pipes, <laughs> and I said, "My God, what do I do with this?" And I, I told you about this tobacconist that I was going to buy. Uh, I, I used to go there to buy tobacco, and I teach. I teach digital and I teach business and I teach management. And um, every time I went there, I talked to this, to the owner of the tobacconist and said, you know what? People are, tobacconists are lousy in digital in Argentina. Why don't you help me? Just invite me a cup of coffee and I will tell you what you have to do. And, and, you know, a couple of times I went there and I just... I just insisted because I was annoyed that no one was doing something nice in terms of digital. So uh, I, I, with all those pipes that I had bought, I was there and I said, you know what? I will do it myself. I will just restore these pipes and I will open up an online business in, in Mercado Libre, which is the eBay of the States. Well, we have a Latin American um, marketplace, mm-hmm. very similar to that. And I will sell this. And as I know digital, I will open up my Facebook fan page and my Instagram account, and I will restore them and sell them. That's why State Pipes Buenos Aires. And well, if I sell pipes, I might sell tobacco. And I contacted the distributors and the the, 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 the businesses that have the distribution and, and importing of tobacco. And I started selling new pipes and then Havana cigars. And, um, well, <laughs> after six, five years from that, from that moment, well, yes, I have a tobacconist. This is a business. This is a beautiful part of what I do. And it actually could develop a digital presence that I'm proud of for the business. So yes, it is a that is the story of of, of my tobacco is now. So besides the selection of 
pipes, which look like they're priced competitively. You have a selection of tobaccos that are priced. I've done the conversion and they're priced competitively to what we would get here in the United States. Um, can you can you send pipes to the United States and can you send tobaccos to the United States? Uh, well, um, I, I would say that mostly you would manage to get better pricing than than we have down here. I would say that it is competitive um, because uh, our uh, tax our taxation, even it, even though it is relevant, it's still competitive. Yeah. Um, but I have never sold to the United States. I mostly sell to Argentina and Latin America. Um, but even sending out stuff, tobacco you cannot sell outside your country. You cannot okay. sell tobacco to other countries because of regulations. Yeah. And I have sold pipes to Chile, Uruguay, Brazil, Colombia. Yeah, mostly my business is in Argentina and South America, I would say. But we can still look at them. Again, the website is estatepipesba.com. Claudio, we will finish this off with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm absolutely ready. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe is a, I usually keep the pipes I repair, uh, and it's a Dunhill Classic Series uh, that had a hole in the, in the back part of the oven, of the furnace, yeah. and it was a beautiful repair. It still smokes perfectly well, and I love it. <laughs> and what is your favorite tobacco? Uh, it's Samuel Gawith, uh, Full Virginia Flake. <laughs> and do you have a hard time keeping it in stock? Well, you know, Samuel Gawith is a it's it's one of the of the brands that is you can find them here and from time to time uh we we have uh, a problem of out of stock, but mostly we 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 have them we sell that a lot in Argentina. Peterson is also a brand that you can find here rather easily yeah and mcbaron and you, you've got a good selection um yeah you got mcbaron's too yeah. here what is your favorite drink my favorite drink is coffee all the way down yeah now okay now i have to ask because if i come to argentina is the coffee like it is in italy or is the coffee like it is in the united states it's like it is in italy oh thank you. A, okay yeah right. yeah a lot of <laughs> Coffee culture. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Perfecto. Um, when it is time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Um, music. Yeah. Relaxation is music and the pipe. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking memory that we did not talk about? Uh, no, I would say that my, my favorite memory uh, was that moment when I found my dad's pipes yeah. in that chest. That that's that's my favorite memory, and the face of my father when when he saw my face looking at those pipes is one of those moments I will cherish my my whole life. <laughs> Claudio, thank you for coming on here, and uh, thank you very much for sending the sun back to us so that we could warm up for the summer while you have a cool winter now. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing you next year in Chicago and maybe someday sitting at a cafe in Buenos Aires. I would love that, and I will certainly be there in Chicago. I hope that. Thank you so much, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. 
Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. I want to thank uh, thank Claudio for joining me. Check out all of his, uh, you know, check out his website, even though we may not be able to buy anything. Um, but uh, just, a, just a great guy. Can't, looking forward to seeing him again next year for around the Chicago Pipe Show time. All right, so I did a little bit of research and could not find an Argentinian pipe-smoking musician, but it did remind me that Pablo Casal, the cellist of Spanish origin, was uh, you know, a lifelong pipe-smoker, and besides Yo-Yo Ma, maybe the most revered uh, cellist ever. And in fact, one of the pieces that he composed is uh, called the Hymn of the United Nations. And yes, it is. It's the Hymn of the United Nations. And this recording, the lyrics are a little hard to hear, but listen to it. It talks about brotherhood and you know one voice and combining others and all that nice stuff. So this is the Hymn of the United Nations uh, composed by Pablo Casal with uh, words by W.H. Auden.
hymn of the United Nations, uh, premiered in October of 1971 and was one of uh, Casal's last compositions he did uh, at age 94. Maybe we can get one of our very talented, uh, musically inclined uh, people in the pipe community to do the hymn of the Brotherhood of Briar. I'm thinking about you, Dan Locklear. Message from the dark side there is. Or maybe we could get John Williams to compose something for the Brotherhood of Briar. Nah, too expensive. Um, anyway, as I said, just a quick mailbag. The only thing I want to get is uh, Mike Zika wrote regarding a couple weeks ago when uh, Jeff and I answered his question. Uh, Brian, thanks for asking my two-part question on Tuesday's show. I like the way you conceptualized the issue and talked about the numerous variable combinations as being too p- complex to really get your head around. Or that, for me, that might have just been my way of saying, I don't know, um, or there's too many variables. So, sorry. Uh, he also went on to let me in on a couple of his articles that are coming up in uh, the Pipe Collector, the NASPC's newsletter, which if you are not receiving either the uh, paper or the electronic copy, you need to go to naspc.org. It's like 20 bucks a year for six great issues. And I know he's working on some working on some great stuff, including an upcoming article or series of articles with Fred Hanna. Since the two of them now live in Chicago, uh, they're working together. All right, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Post your comments on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. I'll read them here. Uh, If you need any travel advice, feel free to reach out to me. And rant time is coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. This is not a rant against Walmart. This is a rant about society. But I like Walmart. I like Walmart for three reasons. One, you can get bananas, batteries, and a bicycle all in one building. Two, they killed Kmart and the stupid blue light specials. And three, every time I'm feeling bad about myself and I go into Walmart and see some of the other people that are in there shopping, I automatically feel better about myself. It just takes me 15 minutes and I'm good to go. Uh, But recently at our local Walmart here in suburban Charlotte, North Carolina, well, they have had to move uh, certain items, including razor blades or disposable shavers, and, uh, and some other things that I don't want to talk about, uh, they've had to put them in locked cabinets because of theft. Now, the way Walmart is handling this is brand new, and I'm sure they'll do a better job at it, but what you're supposed to do is find the lady that works in the area, or find the person that works in the area, and when you are done shopping, you go to that person, get them to open up the cabinet, and then they walk you up to the register with your razor blades. Now, imagine if you're getting those other things that I don't want to talk about that most teenage boys really should have. Um, but imagine you're getting those and you got to get walked up to the cabinet or get walked up to the register. Now, here's my complaint, though. Has the society gotten so bad that we're stealing cheap disposable razors from Walmart? Well, apparently that's what's happening. And I find no excuse whatsoever for shoplifting, especially this day and age, and especially when you're shoplifting something as inexpensive as 39 cent disposable razors 
Now, I could see if you're shoplifting high-dollar stuff, you know, but no. Our society has gotten to the point now where Walmart feels like they have to lock up the razor blades. Shoplifters suck because those of us that are paying for the product, well, we're actually covering your costs, so stop it. If you see somebody shoplifting, smack them around. If you're in a smoke shop and you see somebody shoplifting, tie them down and use them as an ashtray. There you go, and uh, thanks, no more blue light specials. All right, uh, back to normal next week, and then I'm on the road again the week after that, so sorry about all this, but you'll get a couple of jumbled shows like this. I want to thank Claudio for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy